0: Hello and welcome to episode 111 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight, our panelists include the Venerable Wilfred E. Horrig. Hi, I hope everyone's doing well on this fine morning. And our good friend and sometimes bad publicity member, well, always bad publicity member, Hollis Jameson Echo. How are you? (laughs) Always bad publicity member. What's going on, man? How are both of you guys doing? It's morning time for us, and it's evening time for you. What is going on? The yeah, order of this the universe really has been reversed.
1: I think so. I, d- didn't you guys move to America, and I moved to Australia? I think that's what happened. Yeah, sure That, was, was,
0: that was in your dream. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, Oh, man.
0: <sighs> yeah, Guess so... you have yeah, to deal with Trump. Yeah, you will. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> aside from uh, the vagaries of time zones... We today we're going to be talking about the Corpse side of Quorum to follow on from our run-aside discussion last week. Uh, but before we get to that and all sorts of exciting cards and some quite interesting cards, I think, in this half of the pack. Um, how have you guys been going in terms of your store champs? Wilfie, you've uh, tapped out after your early victory, but Hollis, have you been playing any other tournaments recently or have you still been on a New, Year- New Year's break?
1: Um, I have uh, I have thank goodness jumped back into playing again, um, and I am enjoying it very very much. It's funny how when you don't like mess with something for a little while, you come back to it, you find out that y- you know you really really still do like it. So um, I've I've had a chance to play more games. Um, I have not decided what deck I like the most. However, right now I'm a v- I'm very much a fan of Andromeda. I mm-hmm.
0: And which sorts of uh... Cards are drawing you to Andromeda at the moment.
1: Um, so I I do like the Power Tap the you know the the Power Tap deck that's re- like very metaverse Ctm. Mm-hmm. But I also like uh, a card we reviewed last week, uh, Aaron Moron. I think the he's he's really cool, and uh, he he offers some very cool unique answers to the existing meta. I like him a lot.
0: Yeah, the the versatility of removing a tag and drawing a card for each counter seems pretty strong
1: sure
0: cool and uh wilfy aside from the fact that you've been on a little bit of a hiatus with your plaque firmly within your grasp
2: have you been playing any games to keep up or uh yeah you, I, I played a, a little, a little bit now? on jintech oh what's up uh, yeah i played a little bit on Ginteki. um i think hollis is right and as we said last week aaron moron is a pretty big draw to criminal just because it's sort of does everything you want it to do that is give you protection against the things that you really have to work hard to have protection against normally as a criminal like it sort of bundles together plus and feedback filter and um, networking and on the lamb into one card like without losing really that much efficiency so I think it's a big I I sort of want to explore that sort of avenue as well. Apart from that, the new craze is Cypher, I suppose. And I've seen Mm -hmm. that do a lot of good work in not only Anarch, but also Shaper, surprisingly. A little surprisingly to me, just because last week I said that I thought that the three Parasite would sort of be necessary. But turns out that having SMC and Clone Chip, as we saw in the past in the pre-MWL metagame, that sort of, that is a good replacement as long as you can find your first parasite and you don't really need that until the mid to late game usually to be able to get that combo going for it to be effective. So I think it's a, gives Shaper a really interesting new tool in being able to deal with ice permanently, which they haven't really had for a while. Yeah, I think I mentioned
0: that last week in our little addendum to the Cypher discussion that uh, I was looking forward to trying that out. And the couple of times that I have run into that, I haven't actually had a chance to put it together myself, but the couple of times I've run into it, it's certainly been really powerful. And allowing yourself to replace the need to have data suckers to deal with larger ice as a Shaper, you know, it was always nice to have the one Parasite, but if you jammed the one Parasite into your deck, and wanted to use it to kill multiple things. Yes, you could kill zero strength stuff, but that's not really great value, particularly now that you're paying three influence for it, plus having to play clone chips, which you might not necessarily want to play three of uh, because of the influence. Um, Now you don't need the data suckers in addition to that in order to be able to take out the larger ice. All you need is Cypher, and that combines nicely into your console as one card that also gives you plus two memory. So... Yeah, I think the Shaper's being able to deal with that with the larger ice a lot more easily has been really powerful. And it's not a strategy in Shaper that you go all in on, I don't think. It's not something that you go, well, I'm playing Cypher and Parasite and Clone Chips, so therefore I don't need to play good icebreakers. You just use it as something to augment the already efficient icebreaker suites in Shaper and allow you to more efficiently deal with large ice, really, and problematic ice that builds up throughout the game and is harder to get through. Give Shaper's a good um, outlet valve in that uh, release valve in that context. I think. Um, on that note, segueing myself here, we might segue nicely <laughs> into the card discussion of the Quorum Corp cards. And Hollis, I'm going to throw you this first one. It's SensorNet Activation. It's a, an Agenda Security advancement. Three score one. So it's three for one. Place one, adve- one agenda counter on sensor net activation when you score it. Uh, the ability is, spend a hosted agenda counter, res a bioroid, ignoring all costs. When the turn ends, de-res that bioroid. So one off free res on a bioroid. That's nothing to sneeze at from a 3-for-1. Is it going to be enough for this to see play, do you think, Hollis?
1: Oh boy. So uh, I ranted a bit uh, recently about this card. And um, I'll I'll spare you guys uh just because you don't want to hear me like freaking complain for an hour. But in, in short, three ones already have a challenging spot, right? Because mm-hmm. they're not three twos, and they are a fair amount of effort for one point. So I feel like, and I think you guys might agree, if I'm going to place a three one in, in my deck, it has to be impactful. It mm-hmm. has to be pretty strong to warrant like to to justify its inclusion over a. One of the good four twos that we have, like NAPD, corporate sales team, or the three twos that we have. So then I go to the last sentence of the card. When the turn ends, derez that that baroid, And I cannot for the life of me imagine, in a world where it's already hard to justify a 3-1, how rezzing a raid and then having to de res it after you use the counter is worth a 3-1 inclusion particularly when you have accelerated beta test that does a very similar thing.
0: Yes. Can can potentially be better and can potentially be worse than this.
1: Right. But I mean, in general is, is basically like if, if, if ABT is at all better, it stays, it's significant. Like it's, it's a significant advantage. Even if you were to pitch an agenda, the fact remains is even an Eli getting res for free is still, you know, it's still a piece of ice that you don't have to pay an install cost for and you don't have to pay a res cost for. And I don't think have to the, the install to part
0: install. of it is worthwhile too. Like, you don't have to draw it. Getting a free draw right. and install, that's two clicks, plus the credits for installing, plus the credits for resing. that's massive compared right. to this, which is just a res and it's only for a turn.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's the problem. I, I just, why why even tell it to derez if you expect me to ever include a 3 1 in, the, like, this 3 1 in my deck?
0: So, Wilfie, after hearing Hollis's rant, are you going to be quickly and hastily removing all of these from the decks that you would included them in? Well, I do <laughs>
2: like I do like to play Byroid decks. It's a little on theme. But I think yes. what Hollis <laughs> said was mostly... Um, sums up the card nicely. Of course, everyone knows by now, who's been listening a little bit, the sort of issues we have with 3-1s and just the difficulty... Um, FFG has in designing agendas just because there's so few knobs that you can turn on them. Like this difference between a 3-1 and a 4-1, a uh, 3-1 and a 3-2 or a 4-2 and a 5-2 is obviously so large. And this ability doesn't really, um, make me want to spend the cost on having a 3-1 in my deck like the fact that you have to presumably be playing a fairly expensive byroid to get some value out of it and that it sits there on the board so the runner can play around the threat of immediately facing a very large byroid sort of makes it difficult to justify its inclusion as opposed to more consistent cards and was the art, the, the front biroid and the art there, was that at all modelled on you, do you think? <laughs> um, if you want, I guess you can think so, but otherwise you're going to have to get into some thorny problems on biroid design. Yeah, I think they've got the hair colour wrong, but they're, they're getting close. <laughs> uh, what what colour is card- the biroid's hair?
0: Is a Grey? Yeah, it's sort of grey-browny, I think. Right. (laughs) It's hard to tell with all the light being thrown on it. But there's definitely definitely some likeness there, I think.
2: I think so, too.
0: The next card in the pack is Violet Level Clearance. It's an operational terminal transaction, like all the clearances. Cost 5, Trash 1. Uh-oh. Influence 3. After you resolve this operation and your action phase, so it's terminal... Gain eight and draw four cards. I'm not sure how I feel about a terminal card that draws you four cards. Wilfie, that seems like it's going to be something a little bit difficult to maneuver into your turn efficiently, but also having a one trash cost seems like that might consign this to the bin a little bit more frequently than the runner just trashing it. What do you think?
2: Yeah, it's a bit hard to evaluate just because... The marginal value of drawing each additional card is so severely decreased that it's hard to see where you can actually take advantage of drawing four cards at once on your last action rather than it being a drawback. Of course, your mind immediately goes to cerebral imaging, but I think that even in those kind of decks, you'd rather have something that's a bit more consistent and resilient to accesses just because of how each individual card can change um, the probability that the runner has to access an agenda. For example, if you're, the runner runs... Because in those kind of decks, you're usually not going to be able to keep the runner out, so they're going to be able to run multiple times at a turn. If they run, trash your violet level clearance, and then from HQ, say, if you didn't have the chance... To play it because you need to do something else um even though that or maybe you drew it off a blue level clearance or whatever there, there are situations where that would occur and then so they run hq and trash it then suddenly not only did you lose something that was going to help your game plan hopefully a lot like you're, you're relying on these things to get the money and the cards needed to win um So that can be a drawback, but also it increases the chance that they're going to hit an agenda if they run multiple times. So I think that is the best chance this card has for playability, but the fact that that deck is already sort of relying on the runner, not accessing enough relevant cards throughout the course of the game makes it hard to justify, in my opinion, including extra trashables in your deck when you don't really need to, like it's a little more efficient, but not enough to outweigh that drawback.
0: Fair enough. Any any different thoughts there, Hollis?
1: Uh, no, I think uh, CI best CI best case, and even then, it's I don't. I've never heard of a CI player legitimately complaining with their existing card pool that they can't draw fast enough. You know, I feel like there's enough combination of card drawing. Because like, they have panic button as an option, right? Like panic button is neat. Um, uh, they've got enough tools to draw cards and gain money to keep their hand size. I don't feel like a expensive operation that even has a trash cost is worth the inclusion.
0: Mm. And in terms of the, the flavor of the trash, like it seems strange to me that the, the flavor text is it required a hexadecimal code along with biometrics delivered by way of BMI. So it's obviously quite a complex thing and it's quite a a high level of security why is it so easy for the runner to trash then?
1: yeah yeah i don't even
0: like is it because it's delicate so it's easy for the runner to dismantle it so you can't use it or something i I don't know i think
2: if anyone as as always if anyone has any thoughts they should um Tweet them at Jesse DG Marshall. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the next card in the pack is Chiashi. It's an Jinteki Ice Barrier AP. Twelve Teres, strength eight, two influence. Whenever the runner breaks a subroutine on Chiashi while there's an AI installed, trash the top two cards of the runner stack. Subroutine do two net damage, subroutine do two net damage, and subroutine end the run. 12 for an 8-strength barrier, that's... 12 is a lot, Therese, Hollis, first off. Um, But an 8-strength barrier is quite significant. However, with Paperclip out, that's only (laughs) 7 to break. (laughs) When I say only 7, I don't know. It does have an end-the-run subroutine, and and 4 net damage before ending the run is pretty severe teeth, as far as teeth on a barrier goes.
1: Yeah. What do you think? I so let me I just breaking down like this this little um whenever the runner breaks a subroutine on Chiyashi while there's an AI card installed, trash the top two cards from the runner's deck. So it means that like a, a Faust breaking this, they lose six cards at the top of their deck. If they break all subroutines with Faust, they lose six cards. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. Yep. yep. All right, but if so... they break or if they have a Faust in play and they break all three subroutines with Paperclip. They also lose six cards.
1: Oh wow! Okay, I mean that's that that's a neat that's a neat interaction. I like. Oh, it. Oh
0: wait, uh, hang on. That not? may not be true. That may not be true. No, that is true. Um,
1: isn't it? Because mm, it doesn't say.
0: No, no. I'm just wondering about whether you break subroutines all at once.
2: Oh no, you break them in. Like if you b- breach through it, then they only trash two. If you David through it, then they trash two. And if you paperclip through right. it, they trash Or maybe if you bridge two. through it, then they still trash six. I don't know. No, yeah, that's, I, that's what uh, I'm a bit confused about.
0: Is, the, is it whenever the runner uses an ability that breaks a subroutine or whenever the runner
2: actually breaks a subroutine? I would read it as whenever an individual subroutine is broken. So like okay. the In that case, case, it's always six cards. Yep. Yes.
1: Yeah. So that is a pretty... I mean, that's kind of... That's painful. I mean, if, if, if that fires because you have an AI installed... That's, that seems pretty painful for the runner. But this has a... My, my perception, or I guess my, my judgment of, of cards like Chiyashi that are that have this high of a res cost is now going to be completely warped entirely because of Cypher. Like, the legitimacy of a card like Chiyashi is way more complex when you have to think in the meta a card like Cypher exists where they can simply reduce their hands maximum hand size... And now all of a sudden, Chiashi is zero, and it's basically prime target number one to like to get hit with the parasite, because it does cost so much. And so while that may fire, this card would die so quickly. Like the the, the, the moment you see it, it's it's focus fired. Okay, and I I think wanted, to, I wanted to
0: squeeze this in somewhere in the episode, and this is the perfect space for it. This is a plea to Damon to please reverse your ruling about Cypher and strength modification effects so that strength modification effects on ice that modify the number upwards, like Sandberg or Experiential Data, still apply when Cypher applies. Because Cypher is effectively setting the strength to zero, and it should be that strength modifications still apply after that. Because then a card like Experiential Data could actually be used with something like chi- in a server with something like Chiashi to safeguard the ice from Cypher. Because then you're always going to be at one strength. But otherwise, yeah, I think it doesn't really make logical sense for Cypher to overrule something that's providing a a flat positive effect. Anyway, that's my little rant over. Please, no, David, I, please. But Hollis, back to the, you.
1: No, I, I think it's well. Pl- I think that rant was well placed, and and uh, but yeah, that, that's basically my concern with Chiyashi. It's it's very expensive, and even if you were to rationalize, it's it's fine to res the card because the benefit is, is to me, it's pretty significant if you, just for having a Faust installed. There's a lot of weird, unique things the runner gets to do. The runner gets to install paperclip from the discard pile if they're anarch. So if they use Faust, they're just gonna install paperclip and then override Faust and trash it so like there's there's really weird interactions I think the runner already has answers to just given the existing cards in the card pool and then you look at Cypher that makes a resin, any card that costs 12 like that even more dangerous and risky and that's pretty much where I'll leave off on that makes sense Wilfie did you have any other
2: thoughts on Chashi? Uh I will just say quickly that I think one unexplored use is that it's probably better than Tollbooth or DNA Tracker in Blue Sun as an oversight, or not just as an oversight AI target, but primarily because its extra cost is ameliorated a little bit by oversight, Um, in the sense that it still gives you an end the run subroutine when you want it, like Tollbooth, which was the big um, trade-off between Tollbooth and DNA Tracker, but it's about as difficult to break as DNA Tracker, and also about as painful for the runner to hit, or if a little more, probably a little more painful. Cool. So, yeah, I think, it's, given that's an extra, it's one less. I, I, I know that some um, Blue Suns have switched, or not switched, but are playing Yanis in that slot instead, but I think it's a reasonable contender in that category of card.
1: Hmm.
2: The next card in the pack is
0: Psychokinesis. It is an opera- urgent techie operation. It's terminal. It costs $1. And it's got two influence. It's got the terminal text, and then it says, look at the top five cards of R&D. If any of those cards are agendas, assets, or upgrades, you may install one of those cards in a remote server. So this can go in an existing remote server, it can be an agenda, asset, or upgrade, but it has to end your turn, and it costs
1: one. And it has to be in the top five cards of R&D. Thoughts on this, Hollis? Uh well I mean it has Caprice on it so it's a uh, top tier right that's what that means that's uh that's the way it's defined. is that is that Caprice are we, are we sure it's Caprice I I think it is though I think it is Caprice uh but you know it, it doesn't matter my my joke aside my horrible dad joke aside uh I don't know like where we I can't would see ever... the
0: back of her neck so we can't be sure
1: about the barcode we can't match the barcode well it could just be a clone and clones are people too right that's true no uh. Th- I don't know how I would ever, I don't know if I could ever make the deck slot work for this because the effects seem so, um, like marginal, like the, the, the use of it is so marginal. I, I don't know if I would, it, it fits very much in the same space to me as like, uh, Toki Yushi Sakai, whatever, whatever, whatever it was, where it's like, you get to play the Jinteki mind game, but the question is, what are you actually doing? Like when, when you play that mind game, is it, helping you win the game or are you just hoping the runner makes a mistake and this is sort of in that same like circle where you know you look at the top five you choose you effectively choose a plethora of cards you install one well i mean what's the expectation here like are you expecting the runner to psych themselves out thinking that it's not an agenda but it really is are you just simply grabbing the best asset you can if that's the case there's other ways to do that so i i don't know it feels like it would be kind of hard to slot this in when there's other very specific tools to go get certain cards. It feels
0: to me like this could be part of um, trying to speed up the aggressive Jinteki plans that are trying to put a DNA tracker on a remote and then install House of Knives in it and Potential Unleashed. You know, those sorts of decks where you're trying to compress the runner's ability to respond to your net damage threats uh, and force them to take turns off to recover... And at that moment, you really want to find the next House of Knives or you really want to find the next threat to put in the server and you don't have it. The question is, is it that much better to put Psychokinesis in your deck than to just put more threats in? And I guess that depends on how quickly the available threats in the card pool taper off after the ones that you already have included. If the answer is that there aren't any more threats, you know, you've filled up your agendas, you've got three snares and there's really not, no other installable in remote threats that you want to include... Then maybe playing one or two Psychokinesis could work to help you find those existing threats in a more timely manner. Um, but even then, the problem that corps are gonna find when they're deck building is that including cards like this, in addition to your threats, in addition to your economy cards, is really hard to do. Um, so you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to be replacing probably card draw with this, but the only card draw that most corps play is Jackson. So, yeah, I'm not sure. You may then have to replace economy cards, or you may have to replace, you know, your threat cards with this. And at that point, I'm not really sure that the decks are going to be functioning better than they were before. But being able to accelerate your game plan more consistently is certainly a beneficial effect. Any thoughts, Wolfie?
2: Uh, I don't know. I think this card is actually pretty good, but I'm not sure whether it has... A place like as you guys said, deck slots are fairly limited. But I do think in terms of efficiency, it really does hit the mark in the sense that you look at the top five and you get to basically draw one into your hand and install it immediately. So that's yeah, I think re- fairly efficient in what it wants to do. And if your game plan is to score, like there, are, I think there are quite a few marginal-ish Jinteki decks that do sort of want this kind of effect, not only to install Psychic Field or Snare, but also just to find one heart like to when you're trying to set up your Nisei Mark II Caprice server, to find the other half of what you're missing um, it is a bit awkward that you can't, it has to be your last it's a, it, ha, it is a bit awkward that it's a terminal, that's probably the biggest strike against it, because you can't find an agenda and then advance it immediately, but I still think that Um, in a deck that's relying on Caprice to score, whether those decks have a chance of being playable still, that's a different issue. But in that kind of deck, you really do want to find things to go in your remote as quickly as possible. And this, I think, helps in that respect. So, Mm. in, yeah, in a deck where you're planning to have Caprice on your remote all the time and use interns or friends in high places to recur her, and then some way to find her, and seven points worth of agendas, I think this card could definitely have a place. It's whether that sort of deck, I think, or similar decks are viable, is, a different, is the issue, I think.
0: Yeah, it really plays well into that Jinteki biotech um, greenhouse strategy of never advancing your first Nisei and then potentially even never advancing the rest of them with biotic labors Um, using friends in high places, using caprice, as you said there's a package there that could work and this replaces fast track in those decks a lot of those decks did play fast track I played fast track when I played those decks and this is not as consistent, obviously because you can't tutor for the Nisei but it also helps you find the caprice or the other piece uh, and it installs it in the one click like you said, so worth trying, I think The next card in the pack is Net Quarantine. It's another NBN 4 for 2 agenda. The runner's base link strength is reduced to 0 for the first trace each turn. Whenever the runner increases his or her link strength by spending credits, you gain 1 credit for every 2 credits spent. I know that link has been used a lot more lately, Wolfie. This is a nice counter to Security Nexus, potentially, but is having a counter for security nexus on a four for two really where you want to be going this is something that we've asked with so many agenda abilities that sort of affect the game from then on is how consistently can you rely on this sort of thing in your deck
2: yeah exactly like when as we always say if you want an agenda ability to be active you really have to build your deck around it and And not only that, the first agenda basically has to help you score the second and onwards agendas. And, like, you know, I think this ability is kind of effective in some sense. As you said, it's a good counter to Security Nexus just because of how reliant those decks are on Nexus. But just the chance of having it in your hand, scoring it, and then, you know, having it be effective in a game where you have to choose it as one of your precious agenda slots, because basically every faction has is overflowing with good agendas by this point, is sort of... I'm a bit skeptical about. Like, even in the situation where all of your opponents have Link, it's really hard to score a 4 for 2 already, so compared to other forfeitures which protect themselves um, while not installed or make themselves more or protect themselves while they're not installed or while they are installed it's sort of um, difficult to justify this like in an average situation I would say I, I would say that the best use for it against a random deck is like a deck that no, doesn't necessarily, have cards like Security Nexus is with controlling the message, I think, just because sort of you make them either pay or take the tag and then spend the action each turn to remove the tag, which is, I think, the greater benefit of CTM when your opponent can't just pay through the trace. But still, that deck really, really doesn't have room to include cards like this, and it's really hard for it to score agendas early, so... yeah. Just And the problem with
0: this and controlling the message is that it's only the first trace each turn and giving the runner a trace that they can activate to use this up before they use their Nexus or before they use their Citadel Sanctuary pretty much means that they have the switch to turn this off if they want.
2: Does that make sense? Uh, I guess you can always... If you're worried about that, you can always not fire the CTM trace, like... Oh, that's true. But But then you're... yeah. If you're doing like that, gone. you are negating the benefit of this card. So, yeah, it, it does still matter. And, of course, yeah, if your opponent has power tap, then it's sort of a bit... This is effect is a little bit reduced. Or, like, not necessarily entirely reduced, but, yeah, just, like, all the conditions don't really come together, I think.
0: Yeah, there is... A level of power there though isn't there so it'll be interesting to see if it can come together in some way hollis any thoughts
1: i can't tell you how excited ecstatic really i am that mbn has a card that isn't like top tier like i'm so happy to see a not like obviously great mbn card mm-hmm. thank you it's like it's 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 exciting It has been a
0: little while. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a minute. The next card in the pack is Herald. It is an ice code gate. It's NBN. Two to res, one strength. It's got a trash cost of one, and it's two influence. If Herald is accessed from R&D, the runner must reveal it. When the runner accesses Herald, he or she encounters it. Ignore this ability if the runner accesses Herald from archives. Two subroutines. The first is the Corp Gains 2. The second is the court may pay up to two credits to place that number of advancement tokens on a card that can be advanced. This is another of the puppet master cards that I cannot understand why NBN has these cards. Why does this happen? (laughs) Why does NBN want to be advancing stuff on the runner's turn? There are no NBN cards that want to be advanced on the runner's turn. This doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Let the hate flow through you. Yes.
0: Wilfie,
2: can you explain this to me, please? Um, not really, I guess they just decided one faction has to have it and then the Wheel of Fortune spun onto NBA. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. Um, with regards to the card though, I'm not really sure. Like the other trashable ice, Chrysalis and the Wayland one <laughs> have all had effects which hurt the runner in some way, which makes sense. Like, if you're going to have something that traps the runner, that, like, ambushes the runner, rather, in a situation where they're not necessarily prepared for that, you'd want it to be detrimental to the runner so that you could build your deck around having them having to encounter it at the worst time. Like, for example, if they're not necessarily um, prepared running into a sentry that trashes a program them hitting the Wayland, trashable ice on HQ or R&D can trash one of their programs which can be a disadvantage to them but this is so different in the sense that the corp gaining 2 like you can't since you can't really plan around the runner hitting it it's really hard to make use of this and like the second ability as you said Jesse doesn't really make that much sense in NBN. So, I think this is a bit off the mark compared to the other ambushes, am, uh, ice ambushes. Yeah, in the sense that if it's going to be a benefit to the corp, you want it to happen at the most consistent time, whereas if it's going to hurt the runner, you want it to happen where the runner might not expect to face that sort of effect. So, this doesn't really, um help in that regard unless the second you can find a way for the second ability to be really really relevant like but we've found that in the past these kinds of effects have not had the like award bait where the corp gets to surprise put advancement counters on something have just completely not been effective in advancing the cop's game plan mm-hmm
1: Uh, Your thoughts, Hollis? Um, Ditto. Cool.
0: Next card in the pack is Veritas, also known as Truth. It's a Wayland Ice Sentry Tracer. Four to res, two strength, and it's three influence. It's got three subroutines for four to res. That's pretty good. First is the Corp Gains Two. The second is the Runner Loses Two. The third is Trace Two. If successful, give the Runner one tag. Feel like this might be a little bit late to the party in terms of traces. Uh, corp traces that initiate at trace strength two probably not going to be succeeding very often in the current metagame. And a four cost sentry that gains you two and taxes them two, not really what you want your four cost sentries to be doing. Not really that impactful an ability. Uh, do you have any thoughts on how this could potentially be in any way useful, Wilfie?
2: Um, I'm not sure. It reminds me of Caduceus, which is still a playable card. Um, does have the words "end the run" on it though. Yeah, exactly. Like Caduceus, I think does a little more of what the corp wants to do with its early game sentries. That is, um, if they run into it on the central, just with a random probing run, you gain some money, but also they have the runner has to think about whether they want to continue. Like, and it's usually if they're just running to gain information or to perhaps steal the agenda off the top, then it's not that beneficial for them to pay into the Caduceus, whereas this, sure, it's a bit more taxing if they run into it blind, but it also guarantees that they get to access a card. So, I think that in that sense it's a bit worse. Um... So, yeah, but uh, on the other hand, compared to Caduceus, it doesn't completely get blanked by um, Link, so I suppose that is a point in its favour, but it's a bit low impact, in my opinion. But, I I don't know, I think for its res cost, and its number of subroutines, and the fact that all the subroutines are usually relevant, it's not too detrimental like it's it's quite efficient in that sense but whether you can afford to play a card like this which doesn't which always doesn't end the run in one of your ice slots really depends on the composition of your deck and there aren't really that many slots usually for ice that don't end the run that and i feel like this suffers
0: from I, i feel like this suffers from the fact that its abilities may on paper you sort of go oh okay maybe that's worth four like maybe the combination of those three things is just worth four credits so it's okay but is it actually like you say doing the things that you want ice to do not really the one thing that it does that you know you you might want the most is tag them but that's only relevant on their last click it's a trace we know that traces are only successful a percentage of the time when we were at evaluating morseless and we were evaluating the hard give them a tag subroutine we were sort of like oh that's okay it's a minor annoyance and morseless is also four to res right Uh,
2: so i I thought it was five but that's cool yeah maybe you know i just don't
0: see how how this is going to be impactful enough i mean caduceus can gain you back the full res costs Um, this gains you back half the res cost. Yes, it makes them lose some, which both of those first two subroutines do synergize with the third one. But the fact that it may the third one is only going to be relevant some of the time, it's only going to be a minor annoyance, and against a whole lot of decks in the metagame, it's going to be completely blanked. Uh, Yeah, I just struggle to see how this is really going to be impactful enough.
2: Without an end of run
0: and without a trash.
2: Also, there's four strength. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Mosseless is four to res five strength. So yeah. This compared to that, it's just, I think, not on the same level. This is Any thoughts, Hollis?
1: Yeah. Um Justin If if Wayland's looking for like any sentries in faction that they don't uh just because they want to have sentries, uh I'm with Wolfie in regards to thinking that I, I think that Caduceus is is still better there, I think, for early game but I also think as runner I still don't want any of these things to fire. And it's it's it puts me in a weird mental like mental space. Like as a runner I I still don't want Waylon to gain two credits or have a four credit swing against me. And I'm probably still going to pay to break the server either, you know, either uh, to beat this trace or to just break it, you know, with a like mimic or something. So I'm still going to pay 3 versus ice and it still seems like it's the word I'm looking for, I think is fine. Like it's not great, yeah. but you know, it's Corp. If, uh, make a, a ice with three subroutines that I know the runner doesn't want to hit. Even if it's not an ETR, that still seems okay. Um, I just don't, uh, I agree. I don't know how I include it though. I, I Mausolus is clearly better, right? Like, I, don't, I don't. I feel know. like
0: though, you don't want them to resolve, but they can. Like it's not the end of the world if they do most of the time. Yeah. And it's, it's similar to negotiator in that way. It's like, if sure, if the subroutines resolve, I lose four. Okay, wow, well, that's not great, but it happened. You also paid four to res this thing. I don't have to run into it again until I'm sure I can deal with it. It's sort of the same with this. It's like those things resolve fine. And if the runner is playing link, which so many are at the moment, it's like, okay, I'll break the first couple or I'll let them resolve. Either way, it doesn't really matter that much. And then you can do nothing with your Trace. Like, yep, yeah, not really feeling it. The next card in the pack is Brian Stinson. It is a unique upgrade character. It's a Wayland card as well. Two to res, five to trash, three influence. While the runner has fewer than six credits, Brian Stinson gains click player transaction operation from archives, ignoring all costs. Remove that transaction from the game instead of trashing it. This is a bit of a flashback to another mechanic, Wilfie. Um, what are your thoughts on this? That was a powerful mechanic in the other game. Is this going to be as powerful?
2: Um, well, yeah. I think that anything that lets you recur transactions... Uh, not transactions. Anything that lets you recur operations specifically has to be looked at. But any card, really, just because being able to recur things from your heap is your heap or your archives is such a strong ability as we've seen many times in the past but what kind of kills this card for me is the while the runner has fewer than six stipulation we've seen that that's not necessarily the end of the world with observe and destroy being very playable in fulfilling a specific function but this sort of one isn't in the right faction, which is the faction that has closed accounts and also can enable closed accounts very easily, but two doesn't have the same impact that Observe and Destroy does. Like, the best case scenario is that for the one turn while they're on the sixth, you get to gain some money, which is okay. It's definitely not bad to be able to play multiple transactions on one turn. Have you ever but clicked like, for
0: 15 sorry. before?
2: <laughs> sorry?
0: Have you ever clicked for 15 before? That would be pretty well, good.
2: Well, I mean, like, Oversight ai in a curtain wall is a similar bonus, and while that is, you know, one of the main draws to playing Blue Sun, like, hmm. it doesn't... It's definitely not unbeatable by the runner to have the call. So is that.
0: it... Is it building a better world's Oversight AI, then?
2: Uh, Well, you have to pay to... Yeah, kind of. Yeah, you can think of it like that or however you like. Like, mm. it is a like if you were to replace operations in your deck with this, then it makes it a, like it's an economy card. If you want, presumably you're replacing an economy asset with this, um, mm-hmm. which means that you keep your transaction count steady. Um, so that I suppose means that this the variance on this is much higher than a card like pad campaign like either this card doesn't do anything because the runner never drops below six or you get to use it to play a restructure and you're far far ahead but like i think maybe a bit too much of the time it sits on that former end where the runner just never dips below six like without any way to force the runner to do that it's i find it a bit hard to justify including this card in my deck but i will say that maybe there is some sort of hiding used closed accounts thing that you can play that you can that package you can import into Wayland and this can let you sort of cement your money advantage to end up doing something with the tags. like it can make sure like it's a bit of a convoluted puzzle to have to go through but i think there might be something there one thing i do want to add also is that it's a upgrade not an asset so it can sit in Mm. the safest server while having a click ability which is something that we haven't really seen before so i think that's a point in its favor for sure
0: and that's pretty important in the current meta as well if we're considering how to keep runners lower than six having extra servers is certainly not the way to do it considering temujin contract is the most popular runner economy card so being able to sort of turtle up behind your three centrals, ice them up and have Brian Stinson sitting there, at least gives you some chance of getting the runner below six. Although the problem with that is that you, you are going to have to create one remote in order to present a threat to force the runner to spend credits. But that is probably doable in the first six or seven turns of the game to be able to ice up your centrals, install Brian, and then have a, an
2: Town in a remote behind some ice. Yeah, I think that's a pretty significant um, advantage over other similar economy assets. Uh, any
1: thoughts from me, Hollis? I I mean, uh, Wolfie, uh, Wolfie, you took mine. No, I, no. The the one thing that I think I highlighted to me, or I guess stuck out to me, excuse me, the most was the fact that it's an upgrade. Like that is that is um, helping like my judgment, I guess, of this card heavily. If this was an asset, it would immediately be you know just throw it in the box, forget about it. Because because of cards like Temujin, it's very difficult to have a card like. That's conditional. Like Brian Stinson, be good if it was an asset. Being an upgrade is pretty awesome because you can put it in a server where there a maybe um, where the server may be more protected. B with a combination of of ice and or protective uh, other protective upgrades. Like and then watching the runner get taxed out just throughout playing the game, even if it would be obviously you don't want to include the card in your deck if it'll never get used. But even just having this as an available threat means that the runner's going to be very careful when they're playing. I mean, they're already careful, but it it's just, it's almost crippling. It, knowing that if the runner ever drops super low on credits for the sake of making this hell Mary or Glory run, it's going to let the Corp gain this massive credit swing where, you know, they gain the 9, the full 9 from their hedge fund by disca- uh, removing it from game or the full 15 from a structure for removing it from the game. That's pretty big. Um, granted, I would assume if the circumstances were such that the runner... Uh, were actually below five in the current meta, they're probably already in trouble. Um, But, I mean, who knows? Maybe you just end up in a scenario where there's an early game, there really could be an early game setup phase where they've installed a, a fair amount of early game resources, where they've installed multiple daily casts or something like that. And all of a sudden, this early game low credit start for them where they're at two, but will drip into six on the following turn is where you can do something ridiculous, like play your hedge fund, res this, and you gain nine more. I'm not... I know we're, I'm, I'm all in this pipe dream land that, doesn't ever, that probably would never happen. But I do like the, that, that, that option for the Corp. The next card
0: in the pack is a neutral card. It's a unique asset. It's called NASX. It's two to res, four to trash, no influence, gain a credit when your turn begins, hello pad campaign, but it's got more text. Whenever you gain credits through a card ability other than from NASX, you may spend up to two credits to place that many power counters on NASX, click and trash it, gain two credits for each power counter on NASX. So if you hedge fund, you can spend up to two credits to place that many power counters on NASX. So if you... hedge fund then you spend two of those that you've gained this gets two power counters then on your next click you can trash this to gain four obviously you can scale that up with multiple hedge funds and the more uh, economy cards you use that you then feed into this the more payoff you'll get at the end of this but obviously if the runner trashes it you lose all the all the power counters on it Wolfie what are your thoughts on this as pretty much an upgrade to pad campaign with the exception, the obvious exception of if it gets rumor milled, it's blank as opposed to pad campaign
2: which survives through rumor mill um, yeah so I think in general it's usually better than pad campaign depending on how many you have in your deck because of course you can't have multiple res at the same time which is one of the main advantages of pad campaign is that you can use it for your long term asset economy in multiples and they scale well so The way to think about... So, you know, if you're going to put one NASX in your deck to replace one of your pad campaigns, I think that's almost certainly better. But I think the thing we have to think about is whether this ability is powerful enough to make you want to build around it, like to use three as your main economy engines. And, yeah, to some extent... It is strong to be able to bank up your credits and get a large, like, extra return from them. But having to store them on an asset means that, as you said, Jesse, I think the main use for this will maybe be, like, gain one from it, hedge fund, hedge fund, and trash this, and then you sort of get a net, um four from it you get a net five that turn from it so i do think that index with lots of operation economy hedge fund restructure beanstalk etc might want to play multiple copies of this in order to set up that situation but aside from that i think it's a bit vulnerable to have as your main plan to be to play a lot of things that make you gain credits and then build this up to enormous levels, I think. That's a bit unrealistic to assume that'll happen, but as a bonus to pad campaign, which is already quite a strong card, being able to have a small burst of money when you need it is a fairly um beneficial advantage to have.
0: Yeah, and the fact that it's controllable by the corp, going all in is obviously not something that's going to work in Netrunner because as the corp, you know that the runner's going to be able to get into your servers. It's just about making them choose the wrong times to get in. So if you make it obvious enough that this is your only plan and this is your only way you're going to really get a money advantage, it's clear to them that the right thing to do is to get in at that point and trash this. But if you can finesse this, as you said well enough, that you're not going all in on it. You're just putting a few credits on it here and there. You've got enough ice that it's expensive but not impossible for the runner to get in. That's when I think you can get the most benefit from it. You, know, you can have it giving you the drip economy over a few turns. You may be putting one or two power counters on it each turn from even from other pads you've got in play. You can do that. Um, and then you're cashing this out just at the moment before it becomes obvious to the runner that it's something that they should run in and trash so I think it's a high play skill card. It's got a high power ceiling and also, I think, a high skill ceiling. What are your thoughts, Hollis?
1: Um, in, in regards to, I guess, also how it would be included in decks, uh, because it is so close to pad campaign, I see weird, I see weird deck building, uh, not weird, but I guess unique deck building choices where people have the option of where they would normally run three pad. They can do weird stuff, like say I run two pad and one NASX, and it gives me this kind of unique flexibility because normally pad would be a card that you normally, you, you would consider putting in a deck you would, you would consider putting out uh, completely naked with no protection. Whereas uh, new Angeles stock exchange could simply be in the remote server that you have. And while the pads are ticking up, you can be loading this with money and the runner now has to kind of redo the, the equation here. They would have to go, well, NASX is important for me to trash, but now I have to go through ice just to pay for the trash probably worth it if there's a heavy investment but otherwise i'm effectively going through a server to trash or pad campaign and again sort of like brian stinson when i get those unique options as the on the corpse side to kind of um have a devil's choice for the runner i usually like it um so i do like that aspect cool
0: the next card in the pack is macrophage It is another neutral card. It's a Code Gate, Tracer, 3 to Res, 7 Strength, and 0 Influence. It's got four subroutines. The first is Trace 4, if successful, Purge Virus Counters. The next is Trace 3, if successful, Trash 1 Virus. Next is Trace 2, if successful, Remove a Virus in the Heap from the Game. The next is Trace 1, if successful, End the Run. So this is only 3 to Res very good at dealing with viruses in fact dealing with them permanently potentially assuming that you can succeed in the traces um and also having that option to end the run if you're ahead on money as well probably suffers from the current state of the metagame with a lot of link going around on the runner side and certainly wouldn't want to be resing this if your opponent has a power tap on the table but there is a little bit of quite a bit of power in there for
1: only three to res. what do you think Hollis uh, I think it's definitely powerful um, especially in a meta where we've we're probably going to see another resurgence of viruses Vi- viruses you know have always been there parasites always going to be you know relevant uh, I think but having a piece of ice that helps purge you know purge virus counters and can potentially trash the parasite that comes into play and then possibly remove that parasite from the game seems pretty significant um, while the traces while the first two traces are fine you know, we've, you know we you know we actually just talked about this when we looked at Veritas a trace two isn't really impressive um, Trace one even you know even more so but it's, the trace gets better when the actual strength of the ice is this high because that means that they're more likely to be subject to pay, you know taking just the, the actual trace ab- trace effects which means on the Corp, Side you have the flexibility to pump it if you if you deem necessary, um, and I really like that a lot. I really. Like it. So I guess that's what I'm saying about the card is I actually really like this card.
0: Thoughts, Wilfie?
1: Um, yeah. So I think this card is actually pretty
2: powerful. Whether it will see play is a different matter entirely, just because of how narrow it is in scope, but. In terms of strength, I think that it's definitely there. Um, the main thing that I see is that it's how good it is against medium, just because medium is played even if deck, even in decks that are not virus heavy. Um, and so getting two res this against a medium deck means that if they have no link, they have to pay. 4 to stop it from getting purged, and then 3 to stop it from getting trashed, and then also 1 to have this not end the run, which is sort of... I mean, I don't know how much of a magical Christmas land it is to expect that your ice will get to not just fire, because seven 3 costs 7 strength makes it fairly likely to fire, but just to be resed at all against a deck with blackmail and en passant. But <laughs> if you can get it to, maybe with something like Executive boot camp or another thing that does a similar effect, another card that has a similar effect, this is just pretty much insurmountable for any of the medium decks. But like, you know, if you're going to put Bootcamp in your deck against those sort of things anyway, I don't know whether you really need this, but I think that having it is an important tool against those sort of decks.
0: And it should be noted that when we're discussing any of the ice in this pack, we haven't just repeatedly mentioned Cypher, but obviously that looms over the head of any of these ice, the threat of just being reduced to zero strength and then Parasited.
2: Well, yeah, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: goes without saying. The next card in the pack is Tribunal, is the last card, and it's another neutral ice. It's it's a Sentry. It's seven to res, three strength, so... Bit of a reversal from Macrophage there. Zero influence again. <clears throat> it's got three subroutines and they all read the runner trashes one of his or her installed cards. The flavor text is guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> um, so the runner gets to choose. It's seven to res and only three strength. So it is mimicable, but I don't know. I feel like trashing three installed cards is a reasonably significant thing pretty early. Like, not turn one, but maybe turn three, four, five when the runner's setting up. Losing three installed cards can be quite a penalty, and I don't mind this, but you're never really going to be able to res this against shapers, I don't think. What are your thoughts, Wilfie?
2: Yeah. I do agree that the ability is powerful, but just the res cost to strength ratio meaning that it's in range of mimic immediately in addition to basically whatever your sentry breaker is, it's not that hard for you to get through. This mean, means that you're really hoping to ambush someone with it for it to be worth its, the money it takes to res it, which I think is a pretty marginal proposition. Like, I mean, I suppose if, you know, in the wake of Cypher the strength of ice doesn't matter anyway, and we just want to be able to hit someone with it um, before they have a chance to Parasite Cypher it away, then yeah, maybe you can trash a Cypher with it, and that makes it worthwhile compared to other similar ice which has more strength, is harder to get through with conventional breakers, but doesn't have as impactful an effect. So, you know, I'm still not sure exactly how Cypher is going to change how we evaluate Ice. So I don't think this card is out of the contention just yet, but it is a bit hard to justify playing a card where you really need to ambush them with it in order to get value out of it.
1: Thoughts, us? The only thing this card is guilty of is not being good enough. Sign and seal it! All right. Was that, and was that on strong? that note...
0: Sorry. That, that, that was powerful, powerful okay. stuff.
2: Cool.
0: That brings us to the end of our quorum card review. We will be back next week with some new and exciting contents, the likes of which you can only dream of. I've been Jesse Marshall here with Hollis Echo and Wilfie Horrig. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can visit our Patreon page to throw a few dollars our way and support the work we do. That is www.patreon.com slash thewinningagenda. And shout out to all our current Patreon supporters. As always, we love you very much. You can check us out on Twitter at at @winningagenda, And you can check us out on Facebook. Our page is The Winning Agenda. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you all next week. See you, everyone. Thanks for listening.